We're going to have a little Bible adventure this morning. We're going to geek out a little bit. If you got any Bible nerds in the house like me, we're going to have some fun this morning. I'm, I'm excited about this message. So this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 6. If you got a Bible, you can open up to John chapter 6. And we're going to look at one of Jesus's I am statements. It's actually the first of his I am statements. In the book of John, Jesus said, I am, seven different times. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And I love these, these seven moments because when you look to the Bible, the whole the whole thing tells us the story of Jesus. It tells us about who he would be and who he was, and it tells us so much about him. But there's these seven moments where Jesus says, this is who I am. Now, at first glance, it might not seem abundantly clear exactly what Jesus was saying. He's bread. He is a vine. He is a door. He's a light. He's a shepherd. But once you kind of clearly understand exactly what Jesus is saying in these moments, oh man, it will empower you and it will change you and it will sustain you on a daily basis. And so this morning we're going to talk about that first one, I am the bread of life. And this was, I just love this one so much because I love bread. Everybody loves bread, right? Okay, yeah. We'll come back to bread multiple times this morning, so don't worry about that. But before we do, Jesus had this difficult task obviously to come and and go to the cross, but he also had another really difficult task. He had to come into this world, leave heaven, leave the, the, you know, the king coming to earth to come to us little pea-sized brain humans and try and help us understand a God who spoke all of life into existence. You got to imagine that that's got to be a pretty difficult task. And so when we look to scripture, when we look to the life of Jesus, And the relationship that he had with his disciples and with his followers, a lot of times he spoke in parables and he would he would tell these stories. He would use these illustrations and and he would he would say things like the 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 kingdom is it's like it's like a, a lost coin, it's like a lost sheep, it's like a lost son. Or he would he would tell these stories and he would use things that they understood already. He'd say it's like a farmer that goes out into a field to, to sow seed, or it's like it's like workers in a vineyard. And so I think in this moment he chose bread because we all understand bread, right? Who loves bread? We all love bread, right? Bread is delicious. Everywhere you go. There's bread. I mean, you got the bread and the butter. You got bread on your sandwich. Even pizza is essentially just a flat piece of bread with a bunch of good stuff on top of it. We love bread. Now, uh, a lot of times we might think of bread as like an appetizer or a side or something that kind of like complements it. Like you have your spaghetti and some garlic bread. Like it's a side item or something that complements it. But, but bread has always been a staple food. In fact, bread has even been used interchangeably with nutrition or nourishment. So bread represents so much more than just a physical piece of bread or just a loaf of bread. It has such a richer meaning than that. Uh, so you would hear in the Bible, give us today our daily bread, or they broke bread together. They, they shared a meal together. So bread has such a rich meaning, and it's something that everyone understands because it's this staple food. The Bible actually uses the word bread 360 times. So bread is something that 
is a continual theme, and it's something that I think always comes back because it's something that we all understand the significance of. And so that leads us into our story this morning. So at this point in the story, Jesus has done some pretty incredible things. He's performed some, some incredible signs. He's, he's healed some sick people, and he, he's stirred up quite a following at this point. And then Jesus gathers this crowd. There's 5,000 people there, and he feeds them using five loaves of bread and two fish. And then that evening, you remember, Jesus sends his disciples out across the lake. They all get into the boat, and they travel across the lake. Jesus waits. They go out into the middle of the lake, and he came to them walking on the water. That's where we're at in the story. So now this large crowd that was there that had been following Jesus has seen his disciples go out. Jesus withdraws, and they're on the search for Jesus. Where did Jesus go? They never saw another boat leave because Jesus didn't get in a boat. And so eventually they kind of catch on and they start looking for Jesus and they get into their boats and they go out searching for him. And this morning we're going to focus in on this conversation that Jesus has with this crowd once they eventually follow or once they eventually catch up and find him. So in John 6, we're verse 25 through 27. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus says to these guys, listen, you're not coming after me because you know who I am, because we have this relationship and you really get it and you, you understand who I am and, and you gotta be with me, but you ate the food. You ate the loaves and you had your fill and now you're hungry again and I met, I, fulfill, I satisfied this hunger that was in you and so now you come back to me again. That's why you've come back to me. Not because you saw the signs that are performed and you understand who I am and you know that you have to follow me. You're hungry again. So essentially, you've just come back to me like a hungry man goes through a Chick-fil-A drive-thru. And that, <laughs> that's, you're just coming back for the chicken sandwich. You're hungry. You got to come back for more. And so the story goes on. It says, then they asked him, what must we do to do the work that God requires? Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see and believe you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. 
All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So this crowd has seen him do some pretty incredible things. And then Jesus gave them this bread that satisfied their hunger, and they come back to him again. And then they ask him for a sign. He says, well, well, what sign are you going to show us so that we can believe in you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What sign are you going to give us? Now, our, our, our ancestors were given this bread from Moses that came down from heaven, and Jesus stops them and says, no, 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 it wasn't Moses who gave you that bread. It wasn't Moses. It was my father who gave you the bread from heaven. And then he tells them about this bread of life. Give us this bread always. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am it. You're missing it. It's not about this loaf of bread I'm going to give you. It's that I am it. So I want to pause on that statement this morning. I am the bread of life. Because when we have a clear understanding of all that, that those short little words meant and exactly what Jesus was saying to these people, this is what I was talking about, how it will empower you and it will change you. So those short, that short little statement, I am the bread of life. So I want to kind of break it apart. I want to start with the first two words, I am. Now, those might seem like the most unexciting words in the sentence, right? Just I am. Let's get to the, let's get to the meat and potatoes or the bread. Uh, let's get to what, what's it really about. But I want to start with those first two words, I am. Now, when you look at it in the original language, it's really cool, okay? This is what I was talking about, our geeky little Bible adventure, so get ready. This is really cool. So, in the Greek, there's two ways to say I am. The first one is right here. It's ego, okay? If we're talking about bread. Think of like an ego waffle, you know? Lego my ego. Ego waffle. So, ego means I am. This is where we get the English word ego, so ego, it represents, uh, it means I am, but it represents who you are and your, your, uh, your personality, your identity, kind of the essence of who you are, I am. So that's one way to say I am in the Greek. And the second word is this, emi, emi, which also means I am. So we got our Greek lesson here. We know the two ways. There's ego and there's emi. They both mean I am. And so let's go to Jesus' statement and see which one he chose to use. Did he say ego, the bread of life, or did he say emi, the bread of life? This is what Jesus said. Ego, emi, the bread of life. Ego, emi, the bread of life. He said both. I am, I am the bread of life. Now, like, what, <laughs> did Jesus have a stutter? Was he stuttering? I am, I am the bread of life. Was he stuttering? Was he bad with grammar? Was he just repetitive? What's going on here? I am, I am the bread of life. It kind of sounds redundant, right? But the truth is that there's something really cool here. And it's not that Jesus had a speech problem, but it calls back to someone who did, a guy named Moses. And if you remember, who brought up Moses? This crowd. 
This is what, it's so cool how it all ties together. So they brought up Moses. Now, when you think about Moses, you think about this leader that he was and, 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 and that moment where, where he's there and he's leading the Israelites and the, our ancestors, they were given this bread by Moses. They were given the bread by God. So their, their ancestors were led by Moses, you know, led them out of G- Egypt into this, into this freedom, away from their captivity. Moses was such a significant character, and especially to these guys, their ancestors, this is such a big thing. But before Moses went on to live this epic life and be used by God in such incredible ways, Moses made all the excuses in the world of why God should have picked someone else. Like, don't use me. I got this speech impediment, and I'm not good with words, and I'm not very smart. Like, surely there's got to be someone who knows more than me, who can answer the difficult questions. Like, no, not me, God. Don't, don't pick me. Well, in the midst of Moses' excuses, he says, no one is going to believe that I was sent by God. Like, if I go in there and they see me, no one's going to believe that you, the one true God of the universe, picked me out of all people to go, like no one's gonna believe that I was sent by you. And this is what God says to him. Moses asks, if I walk in there and I tell him I was sent by God, the, the, the God of, of your fathers, was, I was sent by him, what am I supposed to tell him? What if they ask, what's your name? What should I tell them? And he says this, Exodus 3, verse 14, I am who I am. What's your name? What should I tell him? Who, who was I sent by? He says, you tell him, I am who I am has sent you. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, this is such a powerful statement because it encompasses the essence of the one true God, a God who is self-sustained, who is self-existent, who is contingent upon nothing. He is the one true God who does not rely on anything or anyone. He is. I am who I am. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the one who was and is and is to come. And this statement right here wraps it up. I am who I am. This is the statement that God said to Moses that would reveal his identity, that he was sent by the one true God. You tell him, I am who I am has sent me, and that, that's going to do it. Those words will do it. Now, this is the cool part, okay? You guys ready? This is really cool. So Exodus is written in Hebrew, right, the Hebrew Bible, and then we have the New Testament written in Greek, Right? So Jesus was speaking in the Greek about this Old Testament in the, in the Hebrew. Well, the Septuagint was the first Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And this statement right here, I want to show you something really cool. This is how this statement was translated into Greek. Ego imi. Ego imi. I am who I am, the name of God, the thing that would reveal the identity of God when translated into Greek, ego imi. And then Jesus comes out and says, ego imi, the bread of life. So these two words were, were so significant. It's not just like, hey, I am hungry, I am thirsty. This was Big. This was powerful. It was actually so powerful that in two chapters later, in John chapter 8, Jesus said these words. He said, Ego imi, and they tried to stone him. 
Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. But not just I am. Before Abraham was born, ego imi. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. So these two words that God used just to tell Moses, you tell him that I was sent by you, the one true God. When you say that, they will recognize that I am sent from you. And then later, Jesus says, ego imi, the bread of life. Those two words carried so much significance. So now that we kind of get those first two words, why bread? Well, we've talked about bread a lot. And bread is essential to live. Bread is essential for life. Like we talked about, it's a staple food. It represents so much more than just a side dish or an appetizer. It is nourishment. It is a supply of life. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling us. I am essential for life. I am the staple. I am it. Just as your ancestors were given this bread from heaven that sustained them for a day, I have been sent down from the Father. Just as that bread was sent down from the Father, I am sent down from the Father. I am the bread of life. But I did not come to simply satisfy your hunger for a day. I have come to satisfy the hunger of your soul. This is so much bigger. And so I just love how Jesus takes these things that they were bringing up and how it all ties together. It starts with this feeding of the 5,000 with bread. And then they came back to him because they wanted more bread. And they said, give us a sign because our ancestors were given this bread. And he says, I am the bread, but not just I am. Ego imi, which calls back to Moses who led them to the bread. Oh, I just love how it all ties together. No, one thing, this is even cooler. Who knows where Jesus was born? Anybody? Where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem, that's right. In Hebrew and Aramaic, you know what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. How cool is that? The bread of life sent down from heaven by the Father, and he begins that life in no other place but the house of bread. Ooh, this is cool, right? I don't know about you, but this gets me excited. I think it's really cool. So Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What are the two things we need to survive? Bread and water. You need bread and you need water. Now, this story reminds me of another story that happened shortly before this where Jesus encountered a Samaritan woman at a well. Now, if I've shared this story like years ago in a sermon, and as I was writing this message, I kept coming back to what I wrote like five or six years ago because just seeing how these two stories kind of tie together. So Jesus was traveling, and he stops at this well. And there's a Samaritan woman there, and Jesus asked her for a drink. But the woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, this was a big no-no. They, they, they weren't supposed to associate. They weren't, you know, he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. They're already not supposed to associate. And she's a Samaritan woman. This is like, no, this is a big no-no. But then Jesus gives her kind of this interesting answer. He said, if you knew the gift of God 
and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink and he would have given you living water. And I imagine the woman's like, wait, what? Like, hang on, <laughs> let me get this straight. You come here, you ask me for a drink. I said, how am I supposed to give you a drink? Well, and then you say, well, you really should have been asking me for a drink and then I would have gave you a drink. Like, what's going on here? I would have given you living water. And so then she says to him, she says, well, where are you gonna get this living water from? This well is deep and you've come here without a bucket. So you're asking me for a drink. Where are you gonna get this living water from? And Jesus answered her and said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Does this sound familiar? A bread that you eat and you never hunger again, a water you drink and you never thirst again. And then Jesus said it, whoever has me will never hunger again. Whoever has me will never thirst again. And so Jesus says the same thing to this woman here. So at this moment, this woman says, all right, give me this. This sounds great. A water I drink and never thirst again. This would have been life-changing for this woman because it's not like she just goes over to her refrigerator and gets her, her filtered water. She's got to go and walk and go to this well. So a water she drinks and never thirsts again would be completely life-changing. Says, all right, yeah. Give me that water. I want it. Give me this water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well again and again. And Jesus says, all right, sounds good. Go grab your husband and come back. And in this moment, you can feel like the mood changes. All right, go grab your husband and come back. And she says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband because the truth is that you've had five husbands and the man that you are with now is not your husband. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus. Woo, turn down the heat. Are you kidding me? This is like, oh, I don't have a husband. Oh, yeah, you don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five, and the man you're with now isn't your husband. Oh, man. I remember the first time I heard this story out loud. I said, oh, snap. <laughs> like, he got her. He told her, like, Jesus, what is going on here? But when we really understand this story and what Jesus was actually doing, at first I thought Jesus was just calling her out like, oh man, Jesus. But then we see his love and we see his compassion and we see the reason behind it is that he didn't, he didn't say this to condemn her. He didn't say this to shame her, but Jesus was identifying a thirst in her that was greater than a thirst that she just had for some water, but there was this thirst in her soul that was leaving her empty. And Jesus was identifying that you are running to a source that is not giving you life. You have gone to man after man after man after man, and you keep coming up empty. So Jesus didn't say it to shame her, but to identify this thirst that was in her, this thirst that was in her soul. Now, I've been around church for a while. Has anyone ever heard this before? That there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. Have you guys heard that before? Now, I grew up in church, and I remember kind of hearing some of these uh, kind of cheesy phrases that us Christians come up with. And uh, this was one that I heard, and I always just kind of accepted it as true, right? And I don't know what you think about when I hear that there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart. I think of that little toddler's toy, 
the toy and it's got like the circle and the star and the moon and they all go into their individual places and you can't really cram the star into the circle hole because the circle has to go into the circle hole. So I always kind of thought of it like that. And then as I got kind of older, I remember thinking, where's that actually written in the Bible? Am I just like sharing blasphemy or is this like actually biblical? Because I've grown up thinking there's a God-shaped hole in everyone's heart, but now I don't really know exactly where is this in the Bible? Where did we come up with this? It sounds nice. It sounds convenient. But is it really in the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, there was this guy named Solomon. He was a king, kind of a hot shot. And he's the king of Israel, and he was the wisest and the richest man to ever live. And he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes, he writes all about this longing for fulfillment and, 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 and looking for fulfillment. And, and, and so I want you to imagine that the wisest and the richest man on earth is going to write a book. It's like, hey, New York Times bestseller. We got to pre-order that book. The wisest and richest man of all time finally tells all. We got to get the secrets. We got to know what it's about. He's got it all. He's got everything that life's got to offer. And this is how he starts his book. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This guy's got it all. In chapter two, it says, he denied himself nothing that his eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Whatever he got, saw, he wanted it, he got it. It was his. He had it all. He had enormous homes. He had, he had vineyards, and he built gardens, and he built parks, and he had everything. He had, he had flocks, more flocks than anyone had ever had before him, and he had herds, more herds than anyone had ever had before him. He had just an overwhelming amount of money, 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 more than things that he could buy with the money. He had it all. He's got the possessions. He's got the stuff. He would hire entertainers to come in, to come and perform for him and entertain him. So, and women too. Just say he had no problem with the ladies. So he's got it all. This guy has got everything that life has to offer. And when he looks at his life filled with money, filled with women, filled with houses, filled with Everything that life has to offer, he says, meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's just like, it's like chasing after the wind. I have it all, and now that I've got it all, it's all meaningless. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, he determines that God has placed eternity into man's heart. God has placed eternity into man's heart. So see, Solomon like this woman at the well, had this, this, this unquenched thirst in him. He had this hunger that was not being satisfied. And he runs the place after place after place, but he's still hungry. He's still thirsty. And then once he's got it all, he looks at it and says, it's all meaningless. I've got it all, and I have nothing to show for it. Because eternity has been placed in my heart. There's an emptiness that I can't fill with women, that I can't fill with possessions, I can't fill with money, I can't fill it with a house, I can't fill it with a job. Nothing will satisfy. Nothing will quench that thirst. There's that emptiness there, and it's for eternity. So the temporary can never satisfy the hunger for eternity. And so he says, it's all meaningless. 
You can get everything the world has to offer and you will still be empty because God has placed eternity in our hearts. We all have a longing for more. There's a hunger just like Solomon had and a thirst for something that the world just cannot offer us. It can only be satisfied by the bread of life, by the living water. Without Jesus, we're all that woman at the well. We've all been there. The thirst in us that can only be quenched by Jesus. We have a longing for eternity that has left us with this, this emptiness. And you can run to all the things. This woman, she ran to man after man after man and always comes up empty. It's just these dried up wells. You go to them and it's like, oh, maybe this will give me happiness. Maybe this will give me joy. Maybe this will give me satisfaction. Maybe this will give me fulfillment. And so we come to it and the, the, the world and the enemy tells us these lies and we lower in the bucket and we just pull up dirt because it is a dried up well. That's why Jesus said, don't chase after the food that spoils because it spoils. It goes bad. It perishes. It's all being left behind. It will never satisfy that. So you can run to the relationships, you can run to sex, you can run to drugs, you can run to alcohol, to money, to possessions, to gluttony, to pornography, but it will always, always leave you empty. It will, you will always come up with dirt, it is always just spoiled bread, and it will never satisfy. But the world just keeps trying to draw us back, tries to turn our attention away. So if you're here this morning, and you have not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, if you have not entered into a relationship with him, if you have not made him your Lord, if you haven't made him your savior, I wanna tell you something. I know how you feel. I know that emptiness that is in you. And I know that you've run to the different places and you keep coming up empty. So this morning, I wanna tell you, run to Jesus he is the only thing that will satisfy that hunger. He is the only thing that will quench your thirst. There is an emptiness in you that this world just cannot satisfy. He is the bread of life. The only thing that will satisfy the thirst for eternity is tasting eternity. You can run to all the dry wells. You can run after the spoiling bread. You will always come up broke. You will never find satisfaction in religion. You will not find perfect love in a relationship. You will never find fulfillment in your job. You will never find security in your job, in your, job, in your career. You will never find happiness in possessions. You can only find it through Jesus. And I can tell you that with confidence because he is the source he is the source of the thing that our soul is longing for. He is eternal life. He is love. He is joy. He is peace. We can't get it in the places because Jesus is the source of what we are longing for. In the beginning, God created this perfect world. We lived in a perfect relationship with him. And when sin came into the world, we lost the two things that we were created for. We were created for eternity and we were created for a relationship with God. When sin came into the world, we lost those two things and it has left us with this emptiness. It has left us with that hole that eternity has been placed in our hearts and we're all longing and knowing there's something more, there's something more, there's something more. Jesus is it. 
So I'm praying if you're here this morning and you feel that emptiness, will you run to him this morning? Will you give him a shot? Will you give him a chance? And maybe you're here this morning and you have Jesus and you've done the church thing and you've been doing this for a while, but maybe you come back to that emptiness. Maybe, maybe you come back to that feeling of, I'm, I'm just not feeling fulfilled in life. I still come back to this, this feeling of not being satisfied. I still come back to this empty feeling. So why is that? Because the truth is that once we've found the source, the enemy doesn't just simply give up. The enemy doesn't just throw in the towel because the truth is once we're connected to the source, we're now a threat to his kingdom. A life that overflows with love and joy and peace is not something the enemy wants. So he wants to shut us up. He wants to shut us down. Now the truth is that he cannot steal us out of the hands of God. He cannot take our salvation away. Once the son has set us free, we are free indeed. So what has he got? He lies. He can't change the truth, so lying is his only weapon. So the truth is that once we have Jesus, we have it. Once we have the bread of life, we will never hunger again. Once we've received the living water, we will never thirst again. But the enemy wants to drag us back to the worry. He wants to drag us back into the anxiety. He wants to drag us into the doubt. He wants to put our mindset back onto the worldly things. He wants to put our mindset back after chasing that spoiling bread. He wants us to, instead of being anchored in Jesus, being anchored in the word of God and, and standing firm in the truth, he wants to pull us back and say, hey, just come back to the well. Look what I got over there. You know, this, this, this will make you feel good. This will make you happy. Hey, you know, your career, if, if, if you've had a little more money, You'd probably feel a little better. You'd probably feel a little more secure. He wants us to chase back after the spoiling bread. The enemy wants to distract us of the truth of all that we have in Jesus because the truth is that God is sovereign over everything. But the enemy, he wants to bring you back into that doubt. The truth is that you have a perfect father who loves you, but the enemy wants to pull you back into the fear. The truth is that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is with you with, with everything and in and through it all. He will never turn his back on you. But the enemy wants to take your eyes and turn it back towards the storm. The enemy wants to distract us from the truth so that he can drag us back to those dry wells, so that he can chase it, lead us back to chasing after that spoiling bread. And that's why Jesus said, don't work for food that spoils. Once you have the living water, don't go back and drink out of the toilet. <laughs> Once you got it, run to Jesus, the source. Know that he is the source of what you're longing for. Don't be distracted by the enemy and fall back into his traps. Because here's the truth. Jesus has removed the shame and the condemnation of our sin, but our sin still has natural consequences. So the enemy still wants to drag us back into the traps. God is a perfect father and he loves us and he's looking out for us. And so that's why he gave us his word. That's why he tells us, hey, do this and don't do that. Not because I know these things are fun and I don't want you to have any fun. I want to control you. I want to test and see if you'll really be obedient to me if I give you these difficult tasks. No, 
He's a father who loves us, who cares for us, who's looking out for us. And when we follow him and we do things his way, it works out because he's our father and he knows what's best for us. And we trust in him instead of running back into the distractions of the world. So let's follow after Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus made it super simple right here. I skipped a couple things apparently. (laughs) Sorry, I got a little worked up there. So here's the thing. Don't just take, take my word for it. I've told you, run to the bread of life, run to the living water. He's the thing that will satisfy, but don't just trust my Yelp review. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Give him a chance. See what he does in your life. Give Jesus a chance and see what he does. Run to him and give him a chance. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said, Matthew 4, verse 4, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word sustains us. It's the truth that anchors us. So when the enemy comes at us with the the lies, we gotta be anchored in his word. We gotta be anchored in the truth so that we're not led astray, that we're not led back to the, the dry wells and that we're not chasing back over the food that spoils. And Jesus said this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And then he said, Chapter six, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I love that because he just makes it so simple. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Where's your hunger at? Is your hunger for the word of God? Is your hunger for the things of God? Even if we have Jesus we can still be tempted to chase back after that next step in our career. And if I, if I just make a little more money, if I just get that promotion, then, then I'll be happy. Then I'll feel secure. If I just had this or I just had that. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's good news. I don't know about for you, but for me, Jesus makes it so simple right there. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know the next step and the next step and how everything's gonna work out. I just have to trust my father. Just seek after his kingdom. Just seek after his righteousness and just trust him with the rest. That's good news for me this morning. That is a relief for me this morning because I can just trust my father. I can just take the next step, seeking after his kingdom, seeking after his righteousness. So to close, Jesus is the bread of life. And I pray this morning you leave with such a rich understanding of what those words mean. Ego imi, the bread of life. He is the bread of life. He is the only thing that will satisfy the hunger of your soul. You can chase after the things. You can chase after the stuff. You can chase after relationships. But I promise you will always come up empty just like Solomon, because eternity has been placed in your heart. There's only one place to find perfect love, to find satisfaction, to find find fulfillment, and his name is Jesus. So I pray that you would run to him this morning. And once you do, remain anchored in him. The enemy will come after you to rob you of your joy, to steal that peace, to lead you back into the worry and the fear and the anxiety. Don't chase after the food that spoils. Remain anchored in his word, knowing the truth. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And let's chase after Jesus. He is the source 
of all that our souls are longing for. Let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, I just love you and thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that while I was still a sinner, while I had my back turned to you, you left that perfect home in heaven to come to this earth to do something that I could never do, to live a perfect sinless life and then to give up that life on a cross. So God, I pray that each person in this room would, would, would know their value this morning, that they would know just how loved they are, that their value, they were worth the Son of God. So God, I pray that each person in this room would not leave and run back to the things of the world, that they wouldn't chase after success in a, in a career to find fulfillment, that they wouldn't run back to the relationships or whatever, whatever dry wells the enemy puts in front of us, that we wouldn't chase after the spoiling bread, but God, we would just turn to you, knowing you are the source of what our souls are longing for. God, I thank you that it is so simple. So God, let us just to not be distracted. Let us to keep our eyes on you, knowing you are the source. God, we love you and thank you for who you are and everything you've done for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.